fantasy book lovers. I'm Becca. And I'm Joy. And together, we're the hosts of Only One Bed in the Tavern, your favorite fantasy book podcast. Each episode, we dive into the worlds of enchanting tales we love, discussing epic adventures, magical encounters, and everything in between. But here is the twist. We believe in going all in on our discussions, which means spoilers are fair game. So listeners, make sure you journey through the pages of the book we're featuring to avoid any unexpected spoilers. That way, we can freely explore the characters, plot twists, and all the epic moments that have captured our hearts. So pour a brew, grab a snack, and let's go! Originally, we thought like it would just take seven episodes to get all these books done. <laughs> I'm excited to dive in deeper. Welcome back to uh, Only One Bed in the Tavern, episode seven, where we talk about Air Fire Part Two. Um, so, episode six, we spoke about you know new characters, new character motivations, things we love, things we hated, um, our continuing dislike for Kale, <laughs> all the things. In the last episode and the last episode is for people who have not read the book yet um this episode part uh, part two episode seven will be full of spoilers so please beware we're not gonna hold back this time because <laughs> we're we're very excited so yes, um, we are. please read the book before you continue on with um air fire part two episode seven and join us next time once you do <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Joy. <laughs> Hello, Becca. I'm excited. I am too. No, I'm so excited about this because last time it was so hard, so hard to stop biting our tongue yes. the whole time. Yes. Every single time. And then because all the books have merged now because mm -hmm. I read them all and sometimes I forget what is a spoiler and what is not a spoiler. So. Yeah. Yeah. Happy and I do here. feel like air fire is when all the like chess piece like we're getting all the final characters all the chess pieces are getting put out on the board and you're yes. really starting to see the whole rest of the like story start to like take shape and mm -hmm. it's so crazy that's amazing i really mm -hmm. do i mean this is truly one of my favorite books out of the entire series which i may have mentioned that last time but it's very true she just mm, she does something with this book and if you're kind of on the fence before i wasn't about liking the series but I know some people might. Air Fire. They have to read Air Fire. And then they're just like, mm -hmm. I'm assuming they inhale them like I did after that yeah. point. I'm starting to recognize current Sarah J. Mass writing style mm -hmm. in Air of Fire. So she definitely was like getting into her mm -hmm. own like groove and niche and like way of, of writing a story. Yes. Like you can see it. Yeah. Yes. I think we spoke about that last time, you know, when, because her books are so vast. I love how mm -hmm. you use the word ambitious. Like you've been using that to describe Crescent City and it's so true. Like yes. she gets really ambitious with her work yeah, and writing in new characters and giving them a good backstory and making you fall in love with them too, or love to hate them mm -hmm. or whatever your emotion is. She makes you invest in each character just like she does in Akatar. There are a few people who are that I know that are on Crowd of Midnight right now. My sister is one of them. And I'm just like in my head, like, I just, you just gotta wait. You just gotta wait. <laughs> I will sing that to them if they, if I need them to, or if I, if they need me to. But yes. just to remind them, it's so good. 
just keep going. Mm-hmm. She's laying the bricks mm-hmm. in the first two, and you need to have them yes. because I don't think if you had those first two books and you just started with Air of Fire, you know, it would. I mean, you wouldn't be as invested. You wouldn't be as invested. No, no. for sure. And I also. I just like the fact that I have to be like, okay, I know Throne of Glass was like iffy a little bit. And I know Crown of Midnight is, she's almost still just figuring things out, writing Mm -hmm. style, world building, all that stuff. I hate having to say that about those two books because I do like them. Mm -hmm. But I just, I always feel like I have to say like, but don't worry. Because once you get it the gets, air of fire, it gets better. It's yeah. like, I mean, it gets like a hundred times better. Okay. So I feel like the only two characters that aren't, they're not really introduced in part two of air of fire, but we really start to like figure out who they are. Uh, Ren Allsbrook and Murtaugh, which like random side note, why did I immediately just imagine like a a Scottish Highlander as Murtaugh, like in a kilt. Like (laughs) I know the answer to that. Outlander, right? Yeah. (laughs) Whether you read the books or you've seen, like he's been in the media, Murtaugh has, and that's who he is. So for sure. Like we all know the answer to that. Is Terrison supposed to be like Scotland? Like that? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Verdant green hills. Snowy. That reminds me of Scotland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe she was inspired by the Scottish Highlands. Um, maybe like a mountainous. Not, I'm not saying Scotland is mountainous. I don't know if it is or not. It's I mountainous. Know, yeah, it's very mountainous. Okay, yeah, okay. no, it's mountains. Yeah, maybe maybe that's where she took her inspiration maybe. from. And maybe Adderland is more England. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't know if it'd be England. It might be like more like European continent or something. I'm not sure. But it's funny because everyone else has like fantasy kind of names, and then mm-hmm. you have Murtaugh. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Well, <laughs> where did the Scott come through? <laughs> speaking of names, though, a lot of them you do have fantasy. A lot of them do have fantasy names, but then some of them don't. Like we have Dorian. Yeah. We have. Wait, is Dorian the only one? <laughs> no, Rowan. <laughs> those, are those two are, I think regular do names that you'd probably see in Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know who else though. Who else? Like maybe, maybe those are the only two. I don't know. (laughs) The little girl. What's her name? Evangeline. Oh, Evangeline. Yes. She's kind of a, maybe not a name you hear very often, but for sure, not necessarily totally fantasy, but everyone else. I have a, I have a little cousin named Kale, but it's Kale, not Kale. So, I don't know. I don't know either. Murtaugh is definitely, I mean, full-on Scottish. Dorian and, mm-hmm. and, and Rowan are regular dude names. And then everybody mm-hmm. else has these hard-to-pronounce names that you, you're never really sure about at all. That's okay. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love oh, it. Oh, my God. I love it. Um, what did you okay so i when i meet ren and murtaugh i'm like mm-hmm. who are these guys and then i love whenever like kale and adian and the two of them kind of like get together and start to like talk about things and game plan and mm-hmm. i wrote down in my notes they're the dream team right there <laughs> i did like those chapters though love i love their it dynamic. i do too i do too it's so funny i wish that um well, I guess there is. There are moments in the next book 
next book? Yeah. Where Aelin does, is thrown into that mix, right? And it's mm-hmm. like an incendiary mix. Because we have Kale, and he's mm-hmm. butthurt. And then we have Adian, and he's like enamored with Aelin so much from like a queen standpoint mm-hmm. of like, she's his queen standpoint is what I mean. And then Aelin's Aelin, who just does whatever the hell she wants. And then Rowan is like, maybe don't do that. You know, you're going to make people <laughs> pissed off. And then she's like, nope, still going to do it. And then he's like, yeah, you're going to do it. And Kale's like, why are you doing that? It's so funny. <laughs> It's such Their a funny, dynamic. The, dyni- the dynamic is amazing in that group. But I have to say, Ren gets on my nerves. Same. Okay, good. Same. Why does he get on your nerves? <laughs> I don't even, I can't even, okay, let me think about this. I feel like when you first meet him, you're kind of intrigued because you're like, oh, he's got like the double swords on his back or whatever uh-huh. and like. I like their chapters of them like running through the street trying to get away from these guards and they're like hiding in the opium den and you're like, oh, there's some like story behind these guys. But he just he doesn't seem to like listen to anyone when they're like, no, I got this. I'm OK. Like Marta's like, no, it's OK. And he's like, no, I know better. And it, um, yeah, maybe a little maybe he's a little idealistic in how he thinks things should be. And when something's presented to him as not being exactly like what he thinks it's going to be, he's like, I don't like it. And he like talks badly about it. And you're like, bro, wh- what? He's just super young. This, mm-hmm. his world that was too. upturned uh, when he was upturned. Is that the word? I don't even know that's the word. His world was um, turned upside down. Turned upside down when he was very young. He mm-hmm. knew his sisters were murdered because they went to the magic school that was obliterated yeah. almost immediately by the king of Adelan. And so he's got a chip on his shoulder, probably multiples. He's he's mm-hmm. been scarred, he's disfigured because of you know this war. He's like barely 20. I think he's slightly older than Aelin, but not by much. Mm. Okay. He's just a kid. Yeah. And I have to remember that. But he's also yeah. doesn't give Aelin any credit for her being just a kid too. Mm-hmm. And possibly even slightly younger than he is. And mm-hmm. um he's rude to her. He doesn't want to back her for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, like she's your only way out of this. Get over yeah. it. I know you're, I know you're hurt. I know you want your sisters back. They're never going to come back. This woman can give you your, your, your world, your, your land back. Like, come on now. Mm-hmm. I think that's the reason why I love Elite so much. Cause she's like full on, let's do this. Aelin. Let's take these mother effers down. <laughs> I'm with you till the bitter end. She's like the only one from their past life i'm not saying i'm not putting uh rowan or adian i guess mm-hmm. adian would be or like Kayla Dorian. different yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. she's the only one beyond adian who saw the atrocities felt mm-hmm. the atrocities to her you know they happened to her as well and isn't like you should have done better when you were eight years old i don't know why she has a deep voice she doesn't she's a girl <laughs> You should have done better. I don't know. know. Um, (laughs) She's she's one of the only ones that came from Terrison around that time, Mm -hmm. too, that doesn't hold it against her. And Mm -hmm. that's why I love Elite so much. And that's why, again, I dislike Ren because he holds it all against her. Like, what the fuck was she supposed to do? Yeah, sorry. What the hell was she supposed to do? (laughs) Hey, it it called for it. Um, Yeah. He's annoying. 
He and is annoying. He doesn't become unannoying until like the bitter end when mm-hmm. he's finally like, I think it's to Adian, maybe, maybe even to Lysandra. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they become friends as well. Like he's there. He knows he's going to die. Maybe mm-hmm. at the end because things are looking really bad and he's there and he's like, yep, let's do this. It's for Terrison, for Aelin, wherever mm-hmm. she is, you know. So he finally comes through in the end. But in the beginning, I just wanted to reach into the pages and like throttle him. Yeah. He was so annoying. And so annoying. And I'm pretty sure him and Murtaugh, which I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but I think I that's think how you, you are. say it. Yeah. Okay. Um, they, I don't know if, remember if it's Ren or the both of them, but for sure Ren is like, well, what has she been doing for the past 10 years? She needs to be da 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 all this stuff. Um, Murtaugh is the one that says that in, okay. in one of the chapters. And I, I can't remember That which pissed one. me off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. Here's this man, this old man who's seen mm-hmm. so much in life. And even he is like, yeah, she she has a lot to answer for and where she disappeared. Aiden's like, she was just a child. And mm-hmm. Murtaugh's like, it doesn't matter. Oh, why are you doing this? Yeah. Yeah. He alone. What have you been doing? He should have been mm-hmm. the one to be like, actually, no, she's just a kid, Rin, just like you. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. had this happen to her just like it happened to you. Simmer mm-hmm. down. Yeah. So that's the one yeah. moment I don't like Marta. I mm-hmm. feel like that was a weird characterization thing that she did with his character as well because he's never like that again. Yeah. I feel like she changed his trajectory and her mind about him in the next book because then he is like the fatherly grandfatherly oh it's okay you're our queen mm-hmm. let's get you to where you need to be you have allies i'm your ally all mm. these things he never acts that way again so i think it might have been like a a mistake or yeah an, or like actually ren was supposed to have said it mm-hmm. or something yeah something yeah like that's that. why in my head i was like i think it was ren that said it that no, made, it was yeah Murtaugh that's right when i went back for the mm-hmm. reword i'm like what the hell this doesn't make mm-hmm. sense to who we know who murta is in the end too of like what he does mm-hmm. he is only ever been kind to her <laughs> i do like how like i said before the the four of them kind of teaming up and just like doing espionage and spying and then whenever yes reconnaissance <laughs> and when they find out you know that like aelin is alive like that was like like that's pretty cool yeah. i did enjoy it yes yeah no it was, but yeah ren pissed me de- off i know i know same and i but i still love the the dynamics of those chapters when we take a break from aelin and rowan and see mm-hmm. what's going on in adderland and stuff and it was fun it was fun to see adian um be revealed as the traitor to the crown that he is mm-hmm. you know he was never he that black ring was false because he mm-hmm. knew it was bad and so he got a replica made like all this time he has been playing he's been playing the king the entire time mm-hmm. and that was a cool reveal because at first you're like oh my god Aelin does not need a cousin who is fierce and angry to be possessed by a Valg she will never win <laughs> no and that's not the case and I was like oh wow I really love how she built that up me too I really do and and it's not the last time that we'll see Kale and Adian and maybe even Dorian. Yeah. No. I think the I think, three of them. Well, I think it's at least Kale and Adian when they're fighting the the, the evil bog dogs or whatever they're called underneath oh. the underneath the clock the sewers. tower. Yeah, the sewers, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I love that scene, but that's in Me Crown too. of No, that's in Queen of Shadows. Queen of Shadows. <laughs> 
which which book is that so that's in the next one so i'll put a pin in that because that's one of my favorite scenes um but yeah i I do think you're right they're a dream team i really like Mm -hmm. their uh uh, chapters and i also really like um and this is just in general um alternating point of views yes isn't that nice yes i almost hate it when it's just one point of view nowadays because um you miss so much. She missed so much. And I actually think that she should have done that in Akatar. Same. Because she does that in Crescent City, as you now know. Because mm-hmm. you read Yay. it. Yay. Can't we talk about that later? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, alternating point of views because unreliable narrators. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very, very much so. That I mean, that's a, that's a thing. And I loved, I loved hearing from Kale and mm-hmm. Adian and Dorian. I just love hearing their thought processes and how they come to a realization of, of, you know, where this book is going to take them. I love seeing yeah. it from their point of view. But I guess it makes yeah. sense that she had to do that because Aelin is nowhere near these characters. Mm-hmm. And so we can't see it from her perspective anymore. She had to yeah. bring in different perspectives. But... um. I still think she could have done that in Akatar. <laughs> Agreed. You and know? that would have been really nice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to have gotten a point of view chapter from Tamlin or Reese. Oh my gosh. Yes. Cassian. Azriel. Yeah. That would have been so nice. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, in an era of fire, like they're all not necessarily at <clears throat> rock bottom, but all the characters during Air of Fire, like the main people, Manon, Aelin, Rowan, Kale, Aid, you know what I mean? Like they're all kind of like in weird spots and we're starting to really see their characters develop. And like I said, the story starts to take shape. And in the different points of view, you really start to establish like, like right now I just imagine like a game where all the, the players are really far away from each other, but their trajectories are starting to like converge together and it's <laughs> not yeah, it's starting to like join. And so it's, we still have so many books until they're all joined, but it's just, it, you can start to see those lines like starting to spread together and mm-hmm. it's, yeah. I love You're it. Like, Oh my gosh, where is this going to go? And there's going to be loopholes uh-huh. and all kinds of stuff, but yeah, not loopholes, loops. loops. There we go. Anyways. Aelin is not recovered. From her ordeal in Mistword. But she has definitely gone through some stuff there. Has realized, mm-hmm. oh, I do have the power. And I do have, um, I have the, the ability drive. to, yeah, mm-hmm. the drive and the ability to control myself now. I'm not just going to, like, burn the world down. Mm-hmm. And she's got that confidence back. And she's like, yep, all right, let's go back to Adelaide. I'm ready to take it all down. <laughs> I love that yeah. about her. <laughs> Yeah, and she she is at her rock bottom in Air of Fire, mm-hmm. and it's cool to see her like climb, clamber out of it. Um, you wrote down on our notes, Manon getting spider silk for <laughs> Braxis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I hate spiders, and I hate spider. I hate fantasy books that there's always a, a big ass spider. Like it happens mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings. I'm sure it happens in other ones. I can't even think of another one right now. But there's well, the first always... one that comes to mind is Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yeah, and it's always a big nasty spider. Oh, Harry Potter. Duh. Oh, duh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, and I just why is that? It's like a fantasy trope right there. Just big hairy spider. <laughs> it is a 
fantasy trope. Oh, and I big hate hairy it. spider. It makes my skin crawl. Um, mm-hmm. And they always talk. I don't know if the one mm-hmm. in, in Lord of the Rings spoke. I can't remember. Shilob, I think in the books Shilob. it maybe kind of like assumed that, that yeah yeah. But um, these yeah. spiders are creepy, and we don't even know how creepy yet at this point mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. these are just random spiders living in the mountains trading silk. Yep. Yep. Not really. (laughs) There's so many breadcrumbs in that section too. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't continued on, but you are on air fire, pay attention to the spiders and pay attention Mm -hmm. to the person that they mention that gets silk from them other than Manon. Uh Uh-huh. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. (laughs) That Um, person will be back later. And I love that she outmaneuvered them. I don't know if these spiders are supposed to be terribly like, um, smart, but they seem to be like they seem mm-hmm. to be pretty savvy in in human relations. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yet they get um, tossed off the cliff by Abraxas, which mm-hmm. was was not I was not expecting. I, do you ever like read ahead on one page just to see how it's going to what the action is no. going to be? I did. I do. <laughs> I did not do that in that moment, though. And so when it happened, I was like, wait, what? 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 Bra- like, sweet little wildflower baby Braxis? He's just like, wham! And they fly off, and she's she's got her spider silk for free. Oh, I, love I loved the chapters it. with Manon, and I loved that chapter. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was... So good. It was good. And... I'm going to go back to you asking if the spiders are super smart. I'm going to say no. And when you read Tower of Dawn, I think it'll be like, oh, yeah, because they're they're smart and they can like they're just terrifying. And I think that's usually how they win. But I don't think they're very like, you know, strategic. Mm -hmm. They were heavily Mm -hmm. manipulated. Yeah. I think they're actually very like prideful, right? Yes. Is maybe where their downfall because they... Yeah, in Tower of Dawn, when mm-hmm. uh, Nesseran and what's his name again? Sartak. Sartak. I said Kurtak in my head. Sartak. Okay. <laughs> Sartak. Um, yes. Yeah, I forgot about that scene, and they totally mm-hmm. outmaneuvered them. Yeah, it pretty much the same way Manon did. You know what I mean? Very like, much so. Mm-hmm. Very, well, yeah. So it's pride. I think they are definitely yeah. prideful, and it's gets them. They like to talk about time. themselves. Yes. Yep. Which I kind of love. I'd forgotten about that scene. Yep. That scene is like, again, it it's just one makes of my, my skin crawl, right? Like, I don't yep. like spiders. I definitely have arachnophobia. And these spiders are huge. And they're after, like, running through, like, their webs. And that just, oh, I don't like mm-hmm. it. Um, I can feel it on my skin, right? Mm-hmm. It's that visceral for me. God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So this scene from Air of Fire <laughs> is going to show up in, like, three books. Not this scene, but, like, elements from these chapters. Mm-hmm. Like, people brought up whatever. So it's so crazy it's that she great. ties it all back in later and on. And it all makes sense. And it all makes sense. Again, I can't mm. wait to get to Tower of Dawn because oh my gosh. if Air of Fire is one of my favorite, Tower of Dawn is probably, you know, above yeah, that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. And there, I had forgotten there are some good scenes in that book. Yes. Some good world building scenes. Holy yes. hell. Okay. <laughs> We're not there yet. We're not even close. Do you have something you want to talk about? Because I want to talk about Aelin or Selena's growth into Aelin. Do I it. don't know if we're there yet. Okay. I think we're Okay. There. So I really want to discuss Selena's character growth and her 
specifically her growth into accepting herself as Aelin instead of Selena. Because it's so interesting, and I think it's very purposeful, of course, how in the start of Era Fire, Aelin still thinks of herself as Selena. Yes. And so the whole time I was like, okay, what are the what was the point that makes her decide to change her mind? And I think the obvious point is whenever she is defending the, what is it, a fort of Mistward mm-hmm. um, from the Valg. And she just burrows down into herself and into her power. The Valg are cycling through all her memories and, um, you know, her mom and dad are, I think, telling her that, you know, she's, it was her all her fault and stuff like that. The Valg manipulate situations and make you feel like you're the worst person in your entire world and everybody hates you. They're trying to do that. And then it's not even Aelin as an adult helping Aelin truly. It's Aelin as a child. Mm -hmm. And she's like, get up, take my Mm -hmm. hand. And I lost it. I was Uh like, never mind. Like if, if it had been her mother to be like, you got this fire heart. Because mm-hmm. her mother does help her in Kingdom of Ash too, right? I firmly mm-hmm. believe it was her actual spirit helping her. Um, but if her, if it was her mother calling her fireheart and all these things, I would have mm-hmm. lost it as well. But the fact that Sarah J. Moss chose to take child Aelin, be the mm-hmm. one to buoy adult Aelin up and be like, yeah. this is not your fault. And you need to get up right now because they're mm-hmm. about to get you. And the Valgar like, wait, what? What's happening? Like, she's coming yeah. through all of this. And I was just like, it was such, it was an amazing scene. I love it so much. So Baby good. Aelin. Mm-hmm. Like, eight-year-old and Aelin. It, it wouldn't have worked if it was her mom. It had to have been herself be because yourself. Aelin, Selena, had, like, disconnected herself mm-hmm. so, like, severely from her own upbringing and her past and her mm-hmm. story and her history. Mm-hmm. She was scared of her own magic. She never wanted to shift. And so I think that is the moment when she is like, okay, we are on the upward trajectory. I'm climbing my way out of rock bottom. I'm going to accept myself. Mm-hmm. And the person that I had let go was childhood me who was Aelin. And it's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. And that is the moment. Cause if you notice in the book after that, she no longer refers to herself as Selena. Mm-hmm. She is Aelin and I think oh it gives me goosebumps every time so in that moment you know it's hinted at that Arabin the king of assassins really broke her will and mm-hmm. broke her attachment to Terrison and her feelings about her being Faye he he mm-hmm. manipulated into making her feel like it she was unworthy and if she you know she's a killer and all these things like he really broke her and I don't think that well, Sarah J. Moss gives us little hints of that. She never really mm-hmm. went into great detail. And I really hate that because yeah. in this moment, it's eight-year-old Aelin who was broken by Arabin saying, stand up. Get up. Get up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like, you are who you are. You have this phenomenal fire magic. Anymore. Don't be yeah. scared anymore. So he he broke her and then she broke through that. that he. The reason she has a damper on her magic and her feelings and all that is Arabin. I don't think yeah. it has anything to do with the King of Adderland. It has nothing to do with her time in the salt mines. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has anything to do with her parents' death either. It was what Arabin did to her after he after he saved her, basically. Like he yeah. he tried to mold her into something completely his. And for a while it worked. But she like eight year old Aelin that was abused by this grown man. Mm-hmm. was able to bring her out of all that 
Yeah. And I want to cry again thinking about it. I know. It's so... And I remember the first time reading it, I sped read because I was like, you know, you're getting to the last part of the of an SJM book yeah. where you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, shit is, is hitting burning. the fan. <laughs> yes. Everything's fine, uh, but this though. time... <laughs> yeah, right. This time, I knew it was going to be okay. So uh-huh. I took my time and like, whoo, that scene is so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, it's so good. And the Valgar like, what like it's cool to see them be like they thought they had her surprised mm-hmm. uh-huh. they thought they had her and that they were going to uh they did not know who she was power. Yeah. they had no idea and i'm sure also too if she hadn't gone through all the trials and tribulations that she had gone through she probably wouldn't have survived them but the yeah. fact that she had yeah. she had that strength to to pull upon to bring herself up out of the ashes and completely demolish them in such yeah. an extraordinary way. Such an alien way, which such an alien way. Yeah. General Narok, 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 whatever his name Narok? is. That is the, the vow guy General is Narok. such a great, I don't know how to pronounce it out loud, but reading it, it's such a badass villain name. However, at the end when the vow is being, I don't know if it, the vow prince was actually, obliterated or mm-hmm. if the host was just gone and the valg is gone because at the end mm-hmm. Aelin says I swear I could see his eyes say thank you to me yeah and I think and I think that was a, a breadcrumb for future I think so that little moment like oh wait if they're possessed there are they still in there mm-hmm. and that's yeah that's when you first start to kind of like as the reader go wait a minute mm-hmm. what are what are the rules here like we're still trying to figure out the rules of these exactly random villains so mm-hmm. i thought that was a, a sweet little moment of yeah Aelin putting him to rest however yeah. can we talk about how she's able to pull on the last dregs of her power yes rowan <laughs> <laughs> Enter Rowan. Oh, I also like your note about impossible haircuts. <laughs> yes. Can we talk about that too? Because it obviously goes hand in hand in that entire scene. Yes. Yeah. So the scene is she has a long braid and one of the Valg with his like talon <laughs> fingers uh, cuts off her braid. And I just imagine like the Mulan cartoon where she just like gives herself a haircut and just like a perfect blunt bob and one swipe. I'm uh-huh. like that. That can't <sighs> happen. And you know why? Because if your hair is in a braid, your hair is being overdirected in a million different directions. And when you cut that off, it's going to be just like so uneven. So uneven. <laughs> It's not even it's not even funny at that point. It cannot no. happen. It is every time. It is false. Every movie when someone's like cutting their own hair and they can't mirror because they're like undercover agents, they gotta like change their identity. I'm like, the bob is the hardest haircut, it's the most technical haircut, and you can't just like bing bing, you're done. Like it, I have, every time I it takes story. me out of it. I have a funny oh, story about me. that. I read your notes and then um Aaron and I um were watching um Ahsoka on Disney mm-hmm. Plus mm-hmm. and there is a character I won't say who because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody but um, she starts off the her journey with long beautiful long hair. hair her hair is mm-hmm. thick too so keep mm-hmm. that in mind out. Mm-hmm. and I look over to Erin I'm like oh my god she's going to cut her hair off in one fell swoop and it's going to be the perfect bob and he goes yep. can that not happen I'm like no that can't happen and just watch just watch and so 
we don't see her do it, but we can hear, we can see the hair falling or something like that Uh or hear it falling. And then the next time we see her, it's not a bob. It's a pixie, which is even more. Yeah, it's just even more like outrageous. Never. You could, you could get a better bob doing that than you can do a pixie, but it was perfect. It had little wispies. This is what happened. I literally thought the same thing when I was watching that. Like, oh, here we go. You saw it too. Okay, you know exactly what I'm talking about then. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Long, beautiful, thick hair. Has a little mm-hmm. bit of wave in it and just mm-hmm. cut it off in one fell swoop and it was a perfect pixie. Perfect pixie. It's a lie. Yeah. Don't believe that. There are certain things that take me out of the story and that haircutting one is one of them because in the whole rest of the time in the back of my mind, I'm just imagining Aelin with like a jagged, like yeah. uneven haircut. Um, so funny. One more point about her perfect Natural lob haircut. after yes. her hair, her long and I'm assuming pretty thick hair too. Uh-huh. It's just a single talon that yeah. cuts her entire braid off yeah and i'm thinking it has to be a pretty thick talon for that to work because <laughs> like pretty sure not even a lion could do that it would still he'd no. still have to go back at it you can't yeah. do it in one fell swoop <laughs> not with a finger not, not with even a finger. sharp finger i'm sorry <laughs> not even with a knife could you do that you'd have to like no <laughs> uh-huh so i added sound yep. is but you know like you're you're hacking at something a yeah. talon is not going to do it. I'm so happy that you wrote it down because when I was reading it the first time, I was like, what the hell? Yep. This is not real. No. It won't work. Trust me. So, yeah. Uh, out of all the things in a fantasy book, that's the most unbelievable thing, right? Yep. We're in a fantasy show. Like, I can believe Valg from a different dimension and magical swords, and mm-hmm. but you can't cut hair off that way. So, sorry. No. Especially not with a talon fingernail thing. Just like one. Maybe no. if it was like a full swipe, like all yeah. five talons, yeah. maybe. Yeah. But even then, even I don't know. Then. Nope. Yeah. Um, so in that same scene, you know, after she is, so she, so basically she's being overcome by Valg and that's when he yeah. gets a, a swipe at her and cuts off her braid and then her hair like mm-hmm. swishes perfectly like she's in a hair commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, She's trying to fight them. She's reaching burnout. That's what they say mm-hmm. when you, you're using too much of your power and it's going to just take you out from the inside, basically. And Rowan is on the outside looking in because he can't get into where she's at because the Valg have like this weird blackout thing that I think if it touches you, you're kind of a goner, right? Is that yeah, kind yeah. of what I got? Okay. You're kind of susceptible to their like, yeah. I just imagine like a literal black cloud of sadness, you know, kind like of. the proverbial black cloud that can hang over someone's head, but like manifested Everywhere. into reality. Absolutely. Yeah. Her fire is keeping it at bay while mm-hmm. they battle the Val coming in or the soldiers coming in to miss word. Yes. She's going to burn out. And then there's a spark. We see a spark. And he's like, wait, what? And Gabrielle's like, wait, what? And Lorcan's like, she burned out. That's impossible. Um, And they have a moment of where their arms go slack and Rowan is able to like run to her. And somehow Mm -hmm. he gets through the magical blackness. I don't know how. Mm -hmm. Because her fire is not alive right then. I don't know. Anyway, Mm -hmm. it's a fantasy book. Some things you just have to keep going with. Okay. (laughs) Um, So he gets to her and at this point, Baby Aelin, I'm just going to call her Baby Aelin because she's only mm-hmm. eight years old. Baby Aelin is talking Aelin through and getting her up and, and stuff like that. And so there is a word for, how do we say it? 
how do we say it? What is the word? Um, Karanum. So. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, in Fae, whatever, that world, that mythology, it's not a mythology to them. Uh, history. <laughs> um, if you are compatible with another Fae, you can um, boost their yeah. magical reserves if they're flagging and you're not. Mm-hmm. And so he knows that they're compatible at that point, and she knows too. So he mm-hmm. he rushes to her. You have to slice your palm, and she has to slice her palm, and then like basically it mingles, right? And then he can mm-hmm. give her his um, strength, strength basically, and mm-hmm. just give her the reserve she needs because she's flagging at this point. And so I love how you wrote. Should we say it? Yeah, because this is a spoiler yeah. one. Totally foreshadow for mates. Yes. I don't know why I had to sing yes. that, but it is. Yes. It is. You bring up an interesting point, though, that it was a foreshadowing for mates, because I wonder if Karanum, I'm hoping that's how you say the word. Yeah. I wonder if a lot of them do become mates. Because if it's so rare and it means you're like your magic and your essence is perfectly compatible with another person, it would it would not be such a stretch to assume that chances are if that's the truth and you being mates is probably likely to I'm sure not every single time but he talks about how rare it is and yet they just instinctively know like he just knows like this is gonna work yeah and I think it's because I I think think, the mating bond yes and I think that mating bond is acting without them even consciously realizing it Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like they're just acting on it Mm -hmm. yeah they know that bond is there and yeah. they think that bond is just like camaraderie. We're both warriors. We can be friends now, but it's mm-hmm. not. I don't think no. the mating bond only came into being when they're being chased by man. And then she realizes that I think yeah. it was there for a long time since yep. this page is yep. happening. Yep. Um, and she was only then able to feel it because he was basically dying at that point. <laughs> I agree. Thank you. It just kind of like, it was always there, just waiting mm-hmm. for them to figure it out. And I think it was just like amplified and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So on the subject of them being mates, obviously there's a really big reveal in later books that we won't get into right now because it's a huge reveal about, because he's got a history. He's he's mm-hmm. already been married. He's already... Um, he had a kid too, didn't he? Had he? A, he had a kid coming. Like, okay, that's right. I she was right. pregnant at the time. And so some big tragedy backstory there. And at that point, I knew because I had read some spoilers. And maybe you knew at that point, too. I don't know. Because you don't read spoilers. Okay. (laughs) I was still so invested. I don't know why. But I was so invested in Aelin getting back with Kale. Every time. Yes. Every time I would read her, like, observing Rowan's, like, muscles or something like that, I was like, (laughs) she has a little crush, but, like, they're just platonic. Like, I just, like, when they were sleeping in the same bed, and it was, like, written very platonically, I was just thinking they were besties now. Like, I was not Mm -hmm. thinking anything romantic. Like, in my heart, I started to, like, shift, like, oh, maybe they'd be cute together, but I was still rooting for Kale and Aelin, so... That is completely it, different from what I was yeah. thinking. And even before I read spoilers, completely yeah. different. I was like, go get him, girl. He's hot. <laughs> I like him. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, I could care less about Kale at that point. Like, he, he has sent you off. He doesn't want you there. He's dumb anyway. You just, you just go get it, girl. 
And I think that's why, because I was so frustrated with Kale, I wanted Aelin to like redeem it. Like, I just was like, come on, dude, I liked you. And then now you're such a dick. Like, what is happening? And so I was really wanting like his story to change. And I was in my mind, I was thinking like, oh, she's going to be the one to get him on the right path. Yeah. It took me a while. It took me a while to get on board. I mean, I was, I love it. I was here for it, but I just, my brain was not putting the pieces together the first read through. So Sarah J. Moss probably wrote them as a slow burn mm-hmm. more so than she has ever done any romantic pairings before. Agreed. Yeah. Um, unless you want to talk about Bryce and Hunt, but we won't have to, we don't yeah. want to, cause we're not on that book yet. Um, but Rowan and Aylin definitely were slow burn. Rowan mm-hmm. definitely fights it for a lot longer because he's got his, um, dead mate to think mm-hmm. about too. And he, he's conflicted with that. And Aelin's conflicted because he's conflicted, you know, all these things. Yeah. They have a very, very slow burn. And I thought that was interesting, too. But it's also, mm-hmm. I think, because this series is more plot-driven than anything else. And the yeah. romance is secondary. And yep. so, um, which I like. I, I totally I totally love a slow burn trope. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. Um, but I also think there are scenes missing. Because a lot of the scenes in, mm-hmm. in Throne of Glass, like, fade to black, right? Things mm-hmm. are happening, and then we don't get any more. Like we don't. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want those scenes. I feel like mm-hmm. they're somewhere. She's got to have them somewhere. Um, the blood oath that Rowan and Aelin do, and that whole scene with Maeve. What are your thoughts? Oh, <laughs> the the first read through, I remember being very very confused. Um, and th- and then again in my mind, they are still like buddies, and so I was like, oh, that's cool. He's like now her like blood sworn person like i didn't think anything of it (laughs) but like boy oh boy did that change for the second read through i was like oh my gosh it's so special and Mm -hmm. impactful and dramatic and may was pissed and there's a lot of foreshadowing breadcrumbs in that scene too like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i loved it for one hated that rowan is whipped in this one like it's just uh by his friends gabriel is his friend morgan is not at that point but i mean later on yeah kind of but gabriel is so mave is obviously a very complex character and at this point readers don't know quite as quite the the complexity of who she is and why Mm -hmm. she's wanting to know the extent of aelin's power and why she has a a fortress of stone and nothing that can be burnt down and stuff like this. And then, you know, she's got these blood oaths that she shouldn't be able to do because of who she is. But we, Mm -hmm. we know it's just, she broke into their minds and broke them down and made them think that she is, can we say it? Let's not say it yet. Okay. And I don't even think the blood oath is actually real. She's just making them believe it's real. Right. Cause Mm -hmm. she's not, Anyway, <laughs> and so knowing what you know, once you read it, coming back to the scene, Aelin is completely manipulating Maeve at that point too, mm-hmm. in the best way. Like, mm-hmm. who can outmaneuver Maeve? Aelin and Dorian yeah. can. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. I love it. Um, I don't believe that the blood oath is real for these Fae because without saying much more about who Maeve is, it can't, it's not possible. So she is. So is the blood oath not possible in general? Because it was real for Aelin and Rowan. Between Faye, it is. 
Gotcha. I, I got think you. she broke into their minds because she broke into every fae mind and yeah. manipulated them into thinking that it was a real thing. And so yeah. it, they think it's real. It's like a, you know, telling someone you're giving them aspirin and it's not aspirin, but they all of a sudden feel placebo. better. The placebo mm-hmm. effect, right? And so, yeah, I don't believe it's an actual, truly real life blood oath. So, mm-hmm. um, which it's interesting because Aelin does make a random comment while later on afterwards, she's like, oh, Rowan really is um, interpreting this blood oath and having to do what I say in his own way. Uh-huh. So even she notices that like the blood oath seems a little different between her mm-hmm. and Rowan, which would make sense because it would have been different than the blood oath Rowan had with Maeve. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Putting the pieces together. Yeah. No, I think that, I mean, it's never been, in, it's never been uh, proven. Sir mm-hmm. J Moss hasn't said that, but knowing who we know Maeve is, it couldn't possibly mm-hmm. be a real one because she's not able to do that. Yeah. So um, I do believe that they would definitely have died if they tried to get out of it because in their mind it was real. So it would have yeah. killed them, right? So it's like their magic made it real, their Correct. own internal magic. Like yeah. what they know about Fae hierarchy, it would have made it real for them. And mm-hmm. so, of course, they couldn't get out of it until she did. But, it, you know, she's just, I think at that point, just going through the motions, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that Aelin manages to manipulate Maeve into letting Rowan out of his blood oath and she's got that ring as collateral. Mm-hmm. And later on, we realize she doesn't even give the, the real ring to me, right? Which I just love. Um, but it was also a way for to get Lorcan back into the story, right? Total plot yeah. point. And I, but I yeah. love it. I'm not hating on it at we'll all. We're here for it. Yep. We're totally here for it. So, yeah, that scene was just, um, it was hard to read again. Because at that point, you're just you're so mad at Maeve and what mm-hmm. she's done. And what she's going to do and this. And it's frustrating reading it because you, the like Aelin, Rowan, no one really realizes just how bad Maeve is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and I remember the first read through, the first time you meet Maeve, I, I was like, I'm a little amb- like ambiguous. Is she good? Is she bad? Mm-hmm. And then when you get to that point, you're like, oh yeah, she's, she's not definitely good. Not an ally. Yeah, that's when and I then reading it, it the second time and actually knowing how it ends, you're like, oh my God like oh yeah so much like her story about the word keys and Mm -hmm. knowing brannon and the man who the sword and the ring come from and all these things Mm -hmm. once you realize oh man there's just so much to it and and she's scared of aelin we know Mm -hmm. that in that chapter right because aelin puts it together like why does she there's nothing flammable in this mm-hmm. entirety of this like kingdom. And I, I think it's a kingdom, right? It's, it's vast. Yeah. yeah. Dornell or whatever. Dornell. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing flammable. It's all made of stone. That's interesting because I thought she and Brandon were supposed to be friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but this whole time back in Mistward, she's gathering these stories from what's his name? Emrys. Emrys. Yep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's, it, there's a reason for it. She's trying, I think mm-hmm. she's trying to show Rowan that Maeve is not someone that he should be proud of to follow, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. also and she, loyal to, yes, yeah. And she's also gathering these stories because these stories are steeped in, in history and truth. They're not just mm-hmm. bedtime stories. Mm-hmm. And then she's just able to like, <laughs> so satisfying <laughs> to completely pull the rug out from underneath Maeve's feet and then get Rowan out of there. Yeah. And at that point, I'm sad that she couldn't just ha- have uh, bargained for the rest of them too. But obviously that comes yeah. later on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she and, and Rowan get out, 
Also, one of my favorite scenes was whenever Rowan and Aelin go into the mountain and there's that like underground lake and Rowan put Luca in the middle of the lake and, you know, to like try to inspire Aelin and then the random monster shows up. I loved that whole scene and I wanted it to be more and I don't know if that's ever brought back up again. Well, there's a theory. Other than like, is there a theory? <laughs> there's a theory? Okay. There's a theory that it ties into some of the monsters that Actar speaks about. Okay. Well, and they even say in the book, like, mm-hmm. we don't know where he came from. He just kind of like was a portal and just showed up in this lake under the mountain mm-hmm. and he's stuck there. Yeah. Oh, let you know. Another portal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just if you're reading SJM, just pay attention to every time portal is mentioned mm-hmm. because it's in every but every, every like, story yeah Cameron drops from the yep. sky this yep. sea monster somehow he is here um yep. yeah and is ancient and Polly's forgotten who he is because he's been there for so long and all these mm-hmm. things it was a terrifying scene though because yeah. you think it's just a just a benign little lake that's frozen yep. and yep nope then we got a one-eyed yep. monster that's about to eat Luca and Aelin and yeah Again, maybe it was just a plot point to get her to that sword. But how did Rowan know to get that particular sword? Because Aelin says that, like, Rowan knew, like, that sword. He recognized it. Why, From the yeah. tales that Imris was talking about? Probably. Oh, yeah, probably. He mm-hmm. he knew the implications of it. I guess he knew who it belonged to. Mm-hmm. And at that time, he was still under Maeve's blood oath, so he couldn't outright come out and say, like, we want to defeat Maeve. You need this. He's just like, oh, you should you should hang on to that guy. Yeah. Look at this cool sword. Yeah. And then he gets mad at her for um, trading the ring for him. (laughs) Trading. (laughs) (laughs) Little does he know. This is the start of Aelin making plans and executing them without telling anybody. And I love it. Because it works. Um, She does it with Lorcan, too. Like, (laughs) trades the ring. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I freaking love it. Um, Yeah. So I always, I think it it must, he must know it from Imris' stories. That's the Mm -hmm. only, it's the only way I I can think of that he knew to get her that particular sword that. makes sense. Was in that particular cave. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's fantasy. Just go with it. (laughs) Just go with it. Plot device. Plot device for sure. We have another plot hole that we need to talk about. Oh, yes. I love plot holes. And you brought this to my attention the first time you were reading this. Uh It's on page 325. There is mention of the red hair queen. Yes. That Okay. (laughs) Yes. I remember the day now because I'm reading it. This is after I read Alcatar where they have high lords and Amarantha. Uh is a red-haired queen and i'm thinking oh my god are we in the is same universe mm-hmm. and we hear nothing else literally cannot figure out who this let me find the chapter so i can read it to you um oh, hold on a second okay okay so manon is talking to the spiders uh, trying to get so there's a bunch of breadcrumbs so in this one paragraph it's page 325 manon is talking to the spiders trying to get spider silk for abraxas 
the quote goes, man in his, or no, the spider's talking. A merchant came by a few years ago. He told me there was a mortal high king who had set himself up there. But I heard a whisper on the wind recently that said he'd been deposed by a young woman with wine red hair who now calls herself the their high queen. And he's talking about the wastes. Okay. So is it Rhiannon Crokin that he's talking about? Okay, now that I'm hearing you read it back to me, mm-hmm. and it's a high king, not a high lord, mm-hmm. so there's a difference in that, mm-hmm. and it's not Rhiannon Crokin because she's gone. Oh, yeah. But Briar is redheaded, and she lives in the wastes. Okay, okay. By the silent assassins, Ansel. That's right, okay. No, Ansel of Briarcliff. Yes. That is a red-haired woman. Yeah. She lives close to the silent assassins that are up there by the wastes. Okay. And so I think that must be what it is. Because you also okay. said, did you say a human hiking? Or yeah. mortal? A mortal. Um, so mm-hmm. that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It's, you. we've solved the mystery. It has nothing okay. to do with Akatar. I had to like, <laughs> I've been sitting on that for like almost a year now. And I'm thinking, no. who is this? This is like a breadcrumb that she dropped. It was like a. And in my oh. mind, it was a silent assassin, mm-hmm. that person. But I was like also confused by that too. Yes. <laughs> so, and Ansel of Briarcliffe is not part of the silent assassins. There's another okay. dude who is the. Who is, and I think they're kind of like a romantic, you know, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, um, yeah. But he, he doesn't speak. He's silent. Um, right. <laughs> he's a silent assassin. And, um, <laughs> but, what do you know? Yes. Title fits. I think she's talking about Ansel, though, because yeah. later on, Aelin gets Ansel's um, uh, notice because she's cavorting as her. Like, she's dyed her mm-hmm. hair red. She's in the pits. She's fighting as Ansel Briarcliff. And that was mm-hmm. like a call out to her friend saying, I need your help. So, was not, it was not, we just solved it after all this yeah. time. I think I just needed to hear it being read to me. Said out loud. Even me like, reading out loud, I was like, oh, wait, I get it. I mean, we're not talking about a high lord. I guess I must have been right off of Akatar and thinking, high lords. Uh-huh. And she's you just read high. high. And I, yeah. I think my brain was like, high lord. Yeah. And a red and a red haired woman. Yeah. It's Amarantha. You're thinking Highburn and, and Amarantha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for listeners who are new to SJM world, what would you recommend? Like what would be the recommended reading order? Um, so I read Akatar first per your recommendation. Yep. And I don't I think I would have hmm. I totally would have gotten into Throne of Glass first had I read it first. I don't think yeah. I would have had any issue. But I think I've been telling people to read Akatar first. Same. And I think it's because she is established as a writer then. And so it mm-hmm. pulls you in, won't let you go until the bitter end. Mm-hmm. And it's just good, fun fantasy that is has happy endings. You know, we know she's mm-hmm. big on happy endings. So. It's more romance driven too. So definitely if the person is kind of new to fantasy or doesn't read a ton of fantasy, I am, I I say start with Akatar. I would agree. Okay. So let's talk about the witches and their war games. And were you at all confused at any time during those chapters? Cause I was a little bit. So much like 
politics and people and clans and words that are strangely put together like blue blood and yellow legs and all that yeah so i just realized that in in air fire part one we were talking about manon and her clan and we were calling them the iron teeth witches but they're the Mm -hmm. black beak witches oh my god they are iron teeth is just like a collective I think that woke me up from a dead sleep the other night. I was like, wait a minute. We got something (laughs) wrong. So I have to say we got that wrong. It's Iron Teeth as a whole because they have Iron Teeth, like literal Iron Teeth. But they're the Blackbeak clan. Okay. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We put out information that's wrong. (laughs) Oh, no. So, But we fixed it now. Um, Yeah. It was a mistake, but we realized that. So the war games, Mm -hmm. can you explain what the war games are? So basically the king of Adderland is trying to create this massive army and he has allied with the witches and they're trying to figure out who's going to be in charge of the witches, who's going to be the leaders. And I don't know anything about uh, military hierarchies, but like who's going to be captain and in charge and blah, blah, blah. So the war games are to establish the hierarchy within King Adderland, Adderland's like massive army. It's how I'm understanding it. And yeah, so they're basically all the different clans are competing and to see who wins because whoever wins gets to be in charge of all the rest of the witches. Wing leader, right? They're competing wing for leader. wing leader. Yes. And of course, Manon, our main mm-hmm. witch, wants to mm-hmm. be wing leader. And that's, yeah, that's the war games. Um mm-hmm. But this, the entire um, the entire story leading up to the war games is basically her trying to heal Abraxas because he has a mm-hmm. lot a lot of um, scars and he he can't fly because the membranes are broken. Because he was the bait, he, was, he bait. was the bait animal. They didn't expect him to live at all. They didn't care about his right. whole being. Right. Yeah. So you know that's why she goes and gets the spider silk because that's like the strongest th- you know material probably on mm-hmm. that continent that could possibly be even remotely reminiscent of like his original wings and so that's why she gets that abraxas is scared to fly he doesn't want to do it there was some heartwarming moments too with the 13 like cheering him on in those in those chapters and i was just like this is why i love the 13 Mm -hmm. so much um (laughs) but yeah so finally like it's through lots of things that happen manon finally gets into the air with Abraxas and then the 13 are doing these drills every single morning. Cause they're, you know, they're going to be the best and you know, they are mm-hmm. the best. So they have nothing to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but something really sad happens in the war games because the, um, yellow lakes air, <laughs> she's a chicken, <laughs> she's a chicken leg. <laughs> she's got it out for man. It's right? Um, so there's one day during the war games and Iskra's out for blood like she always is and I don't mm-hmm. even know if I want to speak about it do you want to speak about it <laughs> yes <laughs> okay <laughs> um yeah so it, it uh Iskra attacks Petra and they're not supposed to kill each other because it's literally just games to kind of establish like who's in charge but you know Iskra has no chill and she's like, I'm going to get you. So she attacks um, Keely, Petra's wyvern. And so Keely and Petra are plummeting to the ground and they're going to die for sure. And uh, 
Petra's is it her mom or grandmother? What whoever's in charge of her clan, the the Blue matron, Blood. yeah, the matron is yeah. like screaming for her, and um, I think Manon is just almost gonna fly away, and Abraxas is like no, and he dive bombs, and is able to they're able to save Petra, but Keely dies to save Petra, mm-hmm. and oh my god, oh, it's goosebumps. such a like yeah, it's such a sad but like pivotal moment because Manon's observing this happening and she's like I could see in the wyvern Keely's eyes like save her her sadness but her acceptance and her like okay you're gonna save her okay I can die now and be okay Mm -hmm. and that that sacrifice and she realizes like these wyverns aren't just dumb brutes like they have some intelligence Mm -hmm. to them they're not just like dumb animals right and yeah and it Ooh. shows with Abraxas too, where he's just like, "Okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna go." Um, yeah, because he he just deci- yeah, yeah. And they, she's like, "I I don't just I don't I remember man and say, thinking like I don't know if I said it out loud or if we were telepathically linked, but somehow I had decided in a split second I want to go save Petra and Keely." And Abraxas is like, "Done," and goes, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah. Yeah, this is a heartbreaking scene because we don't see oh. much from Keely and we don't see much from Mm-mm. Petra. But at that point, um, well, it's also later on too. Petra comes in and helps mm-hmm. Manon with something and won't say what, yeah. but yeah. Um, she saved her life. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's, it's just more it's complexities a, turning yes. within the witches and. Um, who Manon is, because there's a big reveal there too. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're not just bloodthirsty monsters, wyverns mm-hmm. and the witches. Yeah, they can be so much more. Yeah. Um, that's that that that's kind of what I get from that. And the iron teeth are just like they are feral. They are like feral mm-hmm. cat demons in the sky. <laughs> cat demons <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> just. The imagery of just like kittens uh-huh. flying around the sky with like armor. It's just really fun uh, reading about them. Yeah. And Me too. what they add to the story, so good. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. Shut this. Shut this. Oh, I love it. What else? Well, my least favorite and kind of favorite part. Yes. It's yeah, both. let's talk about that. It's both. <laughs> Because um, it's about Lady Marion. Mm-hmm. You know, we're leading up to a big reveal of like her past and how she ended up where she is and all this stuff. And we finally, we finally get the flashback of how she escapes Terrison. Mm-hmm. And it's my favorite and yet like my most hated chapter because it's so sad because she mm-hmm. wakes up in, in her parents' bed and they're dead. Like, they've been dead yeah. the whole night. She just didn't realize yeah. it. So she's like, been... she, like, closed the window because she mm-hmm. thought it was raining because her bed was the wet. Was and wet it was really there. So... Yes. Yeah. So, like, that's traumatic. And you're thinking, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, she's an eight-year-old child. And she just – so, she... in her mind, she's trying to piece it all together. And then we finally get a, a flashback. And it's the morning of. She wakes up. She sees her parents. Like, oh, mm-hmm. my God. I know this is not a real book, but oh my god, I just yeah, I just think of a child, yeah, and seeing that and how that's going to shape the rest of their life. Anyway, and SJM is really good at imagery mm-hmm. and making you like feel like you can see the scene uh-huh. and you feel like you can. Oh, you are like, there. Be that, yeah, you are mm-hmm. there. So she wakes mm-hmm. up, 
sees this, is goes into mm-hmm. complete shock, and then Lady Marion is there to pull her out. She gets her dressed in something clean. I think she tries to give her like a quick bath, and she says, "Don't mm-hmm. worry, you know my husband, he'll be here." Like this is a Leeds father and a Leeds mm-hmm. mother, right? Aiden will be here. I'll keep you safe, you know. And then they realize that there's still assassins out there, basically killers. Mm-hmm. And Lady, Mar- Lady Marion go. knows, like she's mm-hmm. got to go. And so she's like, "When I tell you to run, you run." And little Aelin is like in her head. She's like, "I know if I leave her, she's gonna die, but she mm-hmm. wants me to run." And mm-hmm. Lady Marion's like, "No, you go when I give you the signal." And mm-hmm. Lady Marion is described as just like this. She's a human. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into more mm-hmm. of that later. <laughs> she's a human and she is just tiny old thing, you know, and mm-hmm. her husband, who's like the general, I think, at that point of like mm-hmm. army, he's taught her like swords and stuff like that. So she knows how to protect herself. But the assailant that's coming after Aelin is this like big burly man. And like, come on now, mm-hmm. that's completely mm-hmm. unmatched. She's not going to make it yeah. out of there. And she takes her knives out. She tells Aelin to run. And Aelin hears her start to combat this man and then finally hears basically her neck breaking. Mm-hmm. And she just books it. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm starting to tear up again because mm-hmm. it's just like when I was mentioning that theme of mothers and daughters and daughters mm-hmm. losing their mothers. She lost another mother figure in that mm-hmm. moment, too. Um, she saw her own mother die or dead yeah. in bed. Mm-hmm. And then she sees or hears lady marion die as well mm-hmm. in protection of her and mm-hmm. i and that i think more than anything else even more than i think her parents death mm-hmm. that is what takes her so long to come out of her depression because she knows that marion a leeds mother sacrificed mm-hmm. herself knowing she'd never see her own daughter again never mm-hmm. see her own husband again thinking that her daughter was going to be safe she dies so Aelin can get out, and Aelin did what she did with her life. Mm-hmm. A- Marion gave the most to mm-hmm. Aelin in that moment because her parents weren't there anymore. If her parents had been there, yeah, yeah. they would have done it too. But mm-hmm. They died in their sleep, um, mm-hmm. and they had no chance to protect her, but Marion did, mm-hmm. and she did with her life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Aelin has yeah. been carrying that for 10 years now, knowing that she has not lived up to Marion's sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Knowing that she should be doing everything she could possibly do, even though she couldn't, mm-hmm. because this one tiny woman who is a mom, mm-hmm. just like completely, oh, it makes me just like, ah, oh. yeah, because yeah, that's it's what so... she would do, you know. Mm-hmm. You see a little mm-hmm. girl, like you go, I'll mm-hmm. stand in between you. Oh, I just think about the lead and the build up to their moment when they see each other for the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I think Elite, so powerful. I know, and I think Aelin is thinking that Elite is going to be angry so at her, at her. Mm-hmm. and she's not, which makes it worse. But it's so important to have the scene in this book before we meet Elite yes. because then we understand mm-hmm. who Elite is. Mm-hmm. Like she learned her moral compass and her strength within herself, obviously from, from her, her mother, because her mother represent. You know, mm-hmm. um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Her mother acted out 
this strength and like Mm -hmm. this is what we do this is the right thing to do we fight for our friends we you know yep yeah oh it was totally like i i know she probably wrote it that way for a reason right we needed Mm -hmm. that backstory of marion i know Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. we got to a lead because then a lead story is like heartbreaking too because she's her mother died thinking she was safe that her Mm -hmm. father would get her or that Mm -hmm. but and her father sent her to her his brother thinking she'd be Mm -hmm. safe like they Mm -hmm. both thought their daughter would survive their daughter does mm-hmm. survive mm-hmm. but knowing marion not and how, how she thought. ended i i you just know that she thinks she's going to her death knowing that her daughter's going to be safe and that alien's going to be safe and that's all that matters at that point is those two little girls right mm-hmm. oh i'm like i'm just like getting teary-eyed again <laughs> oh my gosh um so then we, when we get to lead story, you know, that's not true. And you mm-hmm. just, you're just incensed on Marion's behalf, right? Yeah. This woman who has one scene and mm-hmm. it's a flashback and you are just mm-hmm. like, damn it. Like <laughs> these yeah. girls. And that's what I mean by, by the overall theme of like, of daughters coming to, um, get revenge for the loss of their mothers, mm-hmm. Irene, yeah. Alid and Aelin. Yep. They are the backbone mm-hmm. of the entire war effort. Mm-hmm. And they are the, the, those three are the three that actually make a difference in the end. And they mm-hmm. have their mothers driving them. Maybe yeah. even like their little spirits hanging on with them. Just like, mm-hmm. you got this girl. It's their yeah. mothers. That's why they have the strength to do what they do in the end. Because yeah. they're pissed off that they, their mothers were taken from them at such a young age mm-hmm. because of the freaking Valg. Yeah. So I get incensed when I when I read. I love it. I know. I'm just I I just want to just like jump into the pages and like help her. Right. My mother set the example of like this is how to be in the world Mm -hmm. and this is the kind of strength to have. Mm -hmm. And then the daughters are that and then are out to avenge. Yeah. So much more. Mm -hmm. Like they just Mm -hmm. they take that those uh, uh, lessons and traits Mm -hmm. and turn it into some like just mind-blowing viciousness against this <laughs> terrible being that has infiltrated their world and mm-hmm. i love it mm-hmm. i love a lead Me story too. i love irene's story and i love how aelin is connected mm-hmm. to both of them yeah um for sure because she meets both of them and grows up with aelin and you know she meets aelin yeah. or irene later on but they are connected through painful loss of their mm-hmm. mothers and that's like why throne of glass is so powerful is because it's very much like a female empowerment friendship moms daughters mm-hmm. loss love found like all of that it's mm-hmm. it's i love it it's, it's my so favorite great. yeah it definitely again you can tell it's the content maybe not the content yes the content because of the writing is starting to mature there are parts of this book that you're like whoo it gets kind of graphic because we didn't even talk about this yet dorian sorcia and kale at the very end and dorian getting that collar on him Mm -hmm. oh that scene it was sorcia oh my gosh which i think that's my favorite part of the whole book is maybe not favorite but one of my favorite parts is sorcia and dorian and their little budding romance Mm -hmm. and you're like rooting for them and then you find the reveal out that like she was like a spy and he beheads her well the king beheads her and Mm -hmm. you're like oh my god and dorian's magic breaks like it so much happens in that scene 
we realize that Ren is the mm. one that's been sending her letters and she to him, right? Mm -hmm. It's Ren this entire time. And of course, yep. he feels so much uh, sadness for what he got her into, although mm -hmm. Sorcia was in it. Like she wanted yeah. this to, she made her own choices. And yep. so reason for treason, right? Like mm. Dorian. Mm -hmm. um, so Dorian gets a, a collar put on him and a vow <sighs> starts uh, possessing him. And he holds mm -hmm. on for a very long time. Mm -hmm. longer than he should have been able to honestly yeah and so in previous episodes when we've been talking about like what dorian goes through this is what he goes through this is what he goes through he this is it it's awful those chapters are mm -hmm. awful this valg mm -hmm. is just like oh it's so sad um mm -hmm. and aelin thinks he has to die because he can't possibly have held on this long and kale's like no you can't that's part of their big um uh, tension in the next book mm -hmm. is like Aelin wants to do one thing. Kale is like, no, we stand and mm -hmm. we fight for him and we try to get him back. And then Aelin's like, well, if you hadn't left him in the first place, this wouldn't have happened. And all this stuff. So like they're, which you know, is kind of terrible because Kale in Kale that moment you can anything. feel him fighting with himself. Like I really want to stay, but if and I stay, I'm definitely like, dead. Yeah. yeah, and I will be able to save Dorian if I leave. Mm -hmm. And so I, Aelin yeah. was unfair. Like I will <laughs> she say, was. she. I know she's saying it because. Dorian is her friend too and she realizes mm -hmm. that he she of all people all every person alive yeah. right now knows the it. tragedy mm -hmm. that a vow can do to a person she's obviously has way more information than Kale does but she is unfair to Kale saying that if if he had just stayed and helped Dorian this wouldn't have mm -hmm. happened which is not true the king of Adeline would have killed him too yeah. um so totally unfair and Do you feel like the king maybe purposefully let Kale get away? I mean, I know that Dorian and his magic was the reason that Kale was able to run away. But do you think maybe a little bit that maybe the king was like, I'll let him get free? Well, you know, you have a good, you have a good point because, or you bring up a good point because when later on, when the big thing mm -hmm. happens with the king, and I won't say what, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's when Kale is injured. Like he yeah. stands in front of the king so Aelin and Dorian can get away at that point. Mm -hmm. And instead of outright killing him, he mm -hmm. does enough damage to just paralyze him for seemingly yeah. for life, right? He yeah. could have just killed him at that point. I mm -hmm. think, and you bring it up, I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. it goes hand in hand. Like he could have probably killed Kale in that moment too. Why couldn't he have? He could have beheaded him instead mm -hmm. of Sorsha. And he could have it, used yeah. his like Val power magic, you know, to mm -hmm. stop him from leaving the room. Um, and so I think that was a little bit of the actual king, the man in there, mm -hmm. who also fought the Valg mm -hmm. for way longer than he should have been able to. Mm -hmm. Because he's Dorian's best friend and he knows that. Yeah. And he's going to need him to recover yeah so to our oh, my voice just warbled because of the emotion um oh my god so readers put a pin in the king of adelan right now because he is not the big villain mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. but he's he's, he's bad. not good he's not good yeah but we learned so much more about him mm -hmm. in a single chapter in the last book and that's why my voice warbled in the end right there because <laughs> he tried. He tried. I don't think and he was I an evil man at first. It's all these little subtle hints that SJM drops in each book. 
you don't notice it the first time you're reading it mm-hmm. at all because it is so subtle. And most of the time it's in a really bad scene where the king is doing something bad. But then when you look back on it, you're like, oh, he could have actually done something way worse. But he kind of like picked the lesser of the evil. Mm-hmm. That's why he took magic see... away, right? Because yes. he knew that the Valg wanted magical people to, because mm-hmm. they can only infect magical wielding people. And so he mm-hmm. knew that. And so he did what he did to take magic away. He also yeah. inadvertently killed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. To try to make sure that the vow could not get a stronghold. And I'm not saying yeah. he was right. He was very yeah. wrong. Again, he's not good. He doesn't but, make, but I think yeah. he, he makes choices in the only way he could possibly be with his mind being con- in the mess that he's in. In the mess that mm-hmm. he's in. Because if he's yeah. been possessed for decades. So we know that it's a little over 20 years. Because it's mm-hmm. basically right around the time Dorian is born. I think mm-hmm. that's the timeline. He's been yeah. possessed for a little over two decades. Mm-hmm. And Dorian almost let it go in just a few, probably just a few weeks in the grand scheme of the books, right? Mm-hmm. So this king held on for long enough. Mm-hmm. And he, and I think we ha- we see these moments, and I think it's um, lucid moments of him where he saves mm-hmm. Kale twice. Yeah. Inadvertently. Like, Inadvertently. almost killed him, yeah. but he still saved him. He could have just mm-hmm. obliterated him at that moment. And I think he stayed the Val's, Val's hand at that point as much as he could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been fighting this entire time. And we know this too, because I'm not standing up for him. I just want to say this. <laughs> I'm not standing up for the King of Adderland. He is a tyrant. We don't condone his behavior. Yeah. But later on, we, we realized something from, cause this is a story from Aelin's point of view. Like he, he knew what was happening to him and he tried to get her to take him out. Yeah. As an eight-year-old girl. Yeah. This was the day before her parents are, are murdered. That's right. He worms her his way into her mind to try and get her to use his, her fire magic on him. Because he knows yeah. she's the only one who can. And, it, and I'm pretty sure that scene that scene is in Air of Fire. I think so. Because she talks. Yeah. Yeah. And before she can do it, her mom douses her in water, basically. Because she's got water magic. And yeah. stop. And like cools her down and stops her but she's like the king of Adderland is like a little worm in her brain and she's trying mm-hmm. to fight him off and the only way she can is to like erupt into flame he was trying mm-hmm. to get her to eliminate him so he could be stopped mm-hmm. that I don't think mm-hmm. the king is a bad was ever a bad person because I don't because like Val it doesn't you don't have to be a bad human for a Val no. to possess you they take yep. you over regardless of whether you're a good person or not. So the King of mm-hmm. Adelan was, was not a bad person. Yeah. But he has been living since, I mean, we don't know how old he is, but I'm assuming he probably had Dorian when he was in his twenties too. So this mm-hmm. could be, he's, he's probably, probably like in 40s. his forties ish mm-hmm. something. So he's been living for that long mm-hmm. fighting. My heart goes out to him again. I know I don't stand by him. Mm-hmm. Not in this form, not in this iteration of him, right? Mm-hmm. But there are things we learn about him later on that you're just like, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> well, we can't talk about it's, it right now. The end of Air of Fire is so, like, there's one part where you're like, how are they going to get out of it? Because Adian is in the dungeon. Dorian has a collar on. Kaol and Ren and Murtar are like, 
oh shit just sitting there like what do we do kale now lost his job and is like high in hiding mm-hmm. and then you have you know aelin who's like gonna be making her way back but she's also like who are our allies Maeve is not who i thought she was gonna be and i don't really know like i need to find these word keys blah 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 you just are you kind of end air of fire like a little somber and i remember thinking the first read through especially with like everyone that's in Adderland or Rifthold, I should say, you're like, what are they going to do? Like, how are they going to get out of this? How? And it really, it just, it ends in such a great way. It sets up, what is it? Queen of Shadows. So (laughs) well. Yes. So much. Oh, it's an explosive ending. There's a lot of, a lot of open-ended things that happen Mm -hmm. and you, you are just reeling. You are totally reeling at this point. Um, you think Dorian's a goner? Yeah. You think? Oh, I for sure was I like, this so is too. it. Yep. I did. I was okay. He's going to, and at that point I thought, oh, he's going to turn into a villain now and they're going to have uh-huh. to eventually put him down. That's what I thought too. Um, for lack of a better term that, yeah. you know, um, and in fact, you know, Queen of Shadows is a lot of that of Aelin and Kale fighting as to whether or not they should. Right. And, mm-hmm. Still freshen with <laughs> kale. <laughs> that hasn't changed. So frustrating. Um, just mm-hmm. we won't be done with that until the end of Tower Dawn. So just stay mm-hmm. with us. This is why this yeah. is such a good book is because it's. I mean, it just sets up. Of course, it sets up the rest of the series, but in such an epic way. Such an epic way. And then Queen of Shadows. You think nothing could top Queen like Air of Fire, and then you get Queen of Shadows, and you're like nothing mm-hmm. could top that, and then you get. Empire Storms. Empire Storms, yes. yes. And then you think, no, nope, <laughs> she's peaked. Nope. Yeah. And then you get Tower Dawn. And then, <laughs> no. And then you get Kingdom of Ash. So, yeah. I mean, you're just heartbroken forever. I am heartbroken. Yeah. I'll never get to read that series again for the first time. And I don't yeah. necessarily feel that way about every book I read. No. But certainly air fire and beyond and then crescent mm-hmm. city and then there's you know there's a couple of others that are not even mm-hmm. in the fantasy genre that i'm like i'll never read it again for the first time so speaking about crescent city uh should we talk about what we're currently reading because i think we've covered i think we've done all the spoilers and breadcrumbs yeah yeah air fire okay all right i am currently reading crescent city finally <laughs> I think what happened because I've been I started the first book like months ago and I read two or three chapters and then I stopped and it's because I had just finished Throne of Glass I'd finished Kingdom of Ash and I had such a hangover from SJM that I had to completely disconnect for a while <laughs> but now that I've started Crescent City I inhaled the first book okay and anyone that's like and I think I might have said this last time too but anyone that's like oh Crescent City there's so much world building it's so building is lying it yes it's ambitious there is a lot going on here's the thing though sjm doesn't get tedious with the world building so instead of just sitting there trying to figure out all these things just keep reading because she will drip and drop information throughout every chapter and it'll start to like get a big picture at the end um so i'm on the second one right now yeah it has consumed my life right now 
Oh, just wait. I know I keep saying that. Just you wait. Um, it's so funny how our roles have changed because I in know. the beginning of all this, I had read Akatar and Throne of Glass mostly first. And so I kept telling you like, just wait, just wait. And now you get to do it to me. And yeah. it's so fun. Yeah. It's actually hard for me though, because I really, I, I just, I want to tell you everything <laughs> and all my theories I've come up with myself and all the theories that I read online and how they, some of them even actually like prove my theories. <laughs> this fandom is on the same, we're like a hive mind right now. January can't come fast enough. And I usually hate when January comes because it's the end of a, new, uh, of a year and the start of a new mm -hmm. one. And I, for some reason that has always like wigged me out. Don't ask me why. Like interesting. The end of a year. Okay, gonna unpack that yeah, later. Yeah, I know. It's like, like, oh, it's scary to me. I don't know. So January is not my favorite month. Um, but January 30th is when Cousin City 3, House of Flame and Shadow comes out, and I cannot wait. And we are coming up with crazy ass theories that probably have nothing to do with her actual story. Maybe some of them but it's do. Fun. I bet it's some of them fun. will come to fruition, though. I mean, we're not. Yeah. This fandom is not dumb. <laughs> no. We can. And she now. does drop breadcrumbs. She does. So, like, so if you can make that some of them are going to be right. You're yeah. going to get it right. So, it, I'm so happy that you're on the second one now. I know. And I really, too. truly just wait for the ending. <laughs> I can't wait for to get those text messages. That'll be funny. I know. I know. Um, yeah. It's just. <laughs> oh, I can't say anymore. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm also listening to, <laughs> on that note, I'm also listening to the second uh, book in the Legendborn series. It is called Blood Marked. Um, I'm listening to it because I'm reading Crescent City. Um, so, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of fantasy. Ha Luckily, they're so different that it's like easy to separate. Sure. Not the but same author. It's... That probably helps too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I talked about Legendborn last time excellent highly recommend and i'm on book two and i'm enjoying it so and then my next to read after all of these is going to be a break from fantasy oh. and it is a book by jamie verone veron Varon, v-a-r-o-n don't know how to say her last name uh she wrote a fiction book called main character energy and it features a plus size Ooh. woman and i am i bought it she has come out with a couple like self-development like self-growth kind of books okay. so like non-fiction but this is her first fiction i want to read and, that yeah you can borrow it i will buy everything that she ever comes out with and it's always so good i okay. love her writing style i follow her on instagram is how i first found her a few years ago and she's she's just incredible. So I'm I'm gonna read main character energy after I'm it. done with. I love the title. City. Oh, that's so I fun. know. I know. <laughs> and probably a good break. I mean, I say that yeah. I never take a break from fantasy, but um, I get why you need to. It's yeah. Sometimes you just need a cheesy dumb romance or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm kind of doing that in the moment though, even though it could be kind of called fantasy only. Mm, it's dumb. Um, so context of the story is um, from October 1st, which was yesterday, to like the end of December, Kindle is doing like a, it's like a challenge. It's so dumb. Oh, I didn't know this. It, you can get on your Kindle and you'll, you'll probably have already like done some of it because you know, you read three books and you're a bookworm. You get the bookworm badge. And yeah. if you read consecutively for 15 days, then you get another badge. If you read every day for the entire challenge, you get another badge. 
Okay. So I'm like, I'm going to do this. Little did I know that I have been inadvertently competing in these challenges every time I open my Kindle because they yeah. do it all the time. So I've gotten a lot of badges in the last four years. Didn't realize that. But um, but now what I know surprise. about it. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read every single day from Je- uh, October see. 1st to the end of December. Um, you can get like into your Kindle. And then I think it's, um, so I have the app. So it's just um, like you go to your main page. I have read 121 weeks in a row and I'm on seven days in a row. Okay. <laughs> so go to like, so on your main library page, go mm-hmm. to more down, down below, right? Like there's home yeah. library, discover, hit more and then hit, hit reading insights. Okay. Yep. Yep. So 90 days left, one out of 16 mm-hmm. achievements unlocked. I unlocked my head start. Yep. Yep. So, so far I've read 15 titles just on Kindle alone. That's not That's counting the physical that. books that I've been reading, but whatever. So I read um, two books yesterday on Kindle to, to get my book room badge because I'd already had one. So <laughs> I read three books. I stayed up till two. It's dumb. Anyway, so the, so it's a series that I'm reading right now and it's like a romance series, but it's, um, I forget what it's called, but it's basically if it, like the, like the main characters are lab grown. Mm. They, their human DNA has been spliced with like, so dumb. <laughs> yeah, some of the books on Kindle, so you're like, dumb. oh, I can see why this is free. Yes, yes, <laughs> but it's still entertaining. Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. So it's like been sliced with uh, like some animal DNA, and they have some like extra organs. Some of them, but um, <laughs> it's so dumb. They are the embodiment of the seven deadly sins. So they oh. fight crime in their city. Um, they're, so we have pride, envy, greed, gluttony. I've heard lust, of this series. Loss. It's been around for a little while, yeah, I think. I mean, it's good writing. Okay. It's just like, it's yeah. like, eh, it's kind of cheesy. Yeah. It's kind of cheesy, but I love cheesies. I'm into cheesy right I now. Do. And so um, basically, they can detect whatever their sin is they can detect it in the city but there's like <laughs> mates in this one too because they, they they're, they're kind of like they have animalistic like like uh they they're not just qualities? humans yeah the qualities where they can mate for life right like they can mm-hmm. find someone it's like pheromones and stuff like that <laughs> like that is that it's kind of it's quite <laughs> cheesy um that's what i am i'm on right now and i just i finished envy last night and then i started greed <laughs> Nice. And then I read another book called The, Li- the Librarian of Crooked Lane. Oh, it was, it was just another free Kindle book. Writing mm-hmm. is like plot. It's it's very bare bones. Like there's not a whole mm-hmm. lot of plot to go. Like everything that happens, the characters kind of jump to the conclusion really easily. I'm like, okay, yes, this is happening very fast. Um, <laughs> But fine, it, it got me a badge. So, yeah. and then you <laughs> might be fine. asking me like, why wouldn't you just read a book that you really wanted to? I'm like, I totally get, I, I totally get that. And I have mm-hmm. a lot of books I will be finishing up until December. Mm-hmm. Whatever. <laughs> um, and I don't know. Some of these. Sometimes books- the vibe of the day, especially on a Sunday, your day off, you're like, I just need something light, fluffy, and easy. Yeah, a book is a yeah. book, and I'm I love reading, and it and it yeah. drags me in usually. It's like that plated prisoner series, which is free on Kindle yes, Limited. Yes, it's like that where it's like it's pretty interesting. Yeah, but is it the best ever? No, no. 
But you're still going to finish it and read it. Yeah. Like the Seven Deadly Sins series is kind of like that yeah. too, where it's like yeah. you you do like the some of the characters. There's mm-hmm. like this big whole plot. There's like an evil entity called the Syndicate. Like it's something like that. Yeah. You know? It's just like what people will watch like reality, re- reality TV oh or gosh, mindless yes. TV. Sometimes you're just reading to read for the pleasure of it. Uh-huh. It doesn't have to be the next like great novel or anything like mm-hmm. groundbreaking it can simply just be for entertainment purposes absolutely so i'm full on into that Love right it. now for my kindle okay because of the achievements that i want to get so i want them to be fast <laughs> so dumb <laughs> I love it. Like this is I how I spend it. my time. I'm like, I'm not really, competing against anyone I'm but myself. So <laughs> surprised to learn this like weirdly competitive side of you. Because it's not there. like you're really that competitive with other people, Mm-mm. but you, she just like shows up, and I love her. I'm like, hello, you're so fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll I'll do it against myself. Like obviously, this this yeah. these achievements are for nobody's. Um, like entertainment for your pleasure only yes yeah and um so i'll do it for myself or or and this is very big if someone tells me they'll beat me Mm -hmm. all right (laughs) i love it i love it or if they assume that i um can't get anything like i couldn't possibly win something this happened to Mm -hmm. me one time at my old salon because they would do like um like product, like if you can sell this amount of like dollars in product, mm-hmm. then you could get like this and that. And um, I played that game and everybody thought I wasn't playing it at all. And then mm-hmm. I freaking won in my category. Yeah, you did. I, yeah, I you did. $400 bucks. <laughs> Hell yeah. If you like Bluey, if there's any <laughs> listeners that like Bluey, dollar bucks. Anyway, <laughs> um, $400, which is like very small in the grand scheme of things, but we were all in a specific tier based on how long we'd been in the salon and stuff and mm-hmm. I won. They doubted you. There was they one particular you. that doubted me and she is the one I was like, oh, I'm going to beat you now. Just wait. Uh-huh. She only got a hundred. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Bam. Enough said. Yeah. Drop the mic. Uh-huh. This is why you connect with a lead so much is because everyone doubts a lead too. Yes. And she's kind of, she's quiet, you know, mm-hmm. unless you like, go and ask her a question she's not just like putting herself out there like uh-huh. Aelin uh but she is the badass yes. so you watch out for her yes. and you you are a lead I, I freaking a lead. love a lead and maybe you're right like it's she is the quiet one she is the but mm-hmm. she is she's the she floats like a butterfly and she stings like a freaking bee mm-hmm. and you don't know when it's coming and nope. I love that about her. So I, can, I can't yes. wait to talk about her. I know. I'm also have been waiting to read Queen of Shadows until we were done with recording this. And I am going to immediately, well, I'm going to finish Christ. Well, crap. I just want to jump into it, but I know I won't be able to stop. So anyways, I can't wait. Can't wait. So that was a very analytical and I feel like a pretty cohesive discussion of Air of Fire, part one and two, wrapping it up. And I am very excited to continue to dive in to the rest of this Throne of Glass series. Queen of Shadows part one will be next. Yeah. Buckle up, everybody. Things are going to start happening. And there's a lot. But just. The world uh, will burn. No, I'm kidding. The world will (laughs) burn. Yes. I'm kidding. I mean, it burns Uh. a little bit, but. 
there's a big ocean quite a bit. wave that like it's fine. Oh yeah, the ocean. Like, yeah. Literally yeah. an ocean wave. There's a lot of things. A things dam that breaks. Okay, <laughs> like think in Isengard and the Ents. <laughs> epicness happening soon. <sighs> big things happening. Okay. So yeah, join us next time, <laughs> Queen of Shadows, Part One. We continue to dissect Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Mass. See you there. Mm-hmm.